When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is May 24th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. Welcome to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Baranofsky. Hope you guys are having a great day, a great week. Enjoying the offseason as much as you can. Hot weekend around here in Massachusetts and uh, New England. Very hot weekend, so hopefully you enjoyed it. Uh, but there are lots of Bruins topics to talk about, and talk about them we did. Connor and I got into a lot in this episode. Uh, we discussed his column uh, on Bruce Cassidy not getting all the blame. Uh, the blame, for sure, but not all of it, as uh, kind of was done last week. Uh, but then we dive into the fun salary cap. How does this team free up salary to go for better players? Uh, obviously, we all uh, have been mentioning names and, and guys who the Bruins could trade for or sign that would make this team a whole lot better. But there is that pesky salary cap always in the way. So Connor and I get into ways that uh, the Bruins can free up some space. And I think that's something we're going to do more and more during the offseason. I think it's something the Bruins are going to definitely have to do. Uh, but we kind of shared some, some ways in which the Bruins could uh, get creative and freeing up uh, the space. And some of it's kind of surprising. Some of the names we listed, uh, deals to get off the books, were a bit surprising even to me as I was planning out the show. So uh, anyways, Bruins Beat is always brought to you by our good friends over at Bet Online. Use that promo code CLNS50 to get a 50% cash back bonus on your first deposit. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Connor Ryan. And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, doing well. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. How's the off off season treating you even busy evan um uh as of recording today i'll be at celtics game four perhaps bringing them some good luck we'll see uh hopefully those good fortunes that definitely didn't carry over to carolina maybe we'll carry over back at the garden for celtics basketball we'll see but otherwise keeping busy getting ready for what will be a very interesting off season i think for the boston bruins Maybe luck is more with you with Celtics than it is Bruins. Maybe that's what it is. So, you know, your luck is more with the Celtics. I think your luck is actually with the Red Sox. So last week we both went to Red Sox games. I went on Tuesday. They gave up nine runs in the second. I literally walked in. I missed the, the whoever hit the home run in the first inning for the Red Sox. But I walked in. They scored the Astros scored nine runs uh, in the second inning. Then they the, the Red Sox lost 13 to four. 
And then the Red Sox went on a five-game win streak after. You were two of those games. So maybe your thing is Red Sox and Celtics. Maybe mine's more Bruins, Patriots. But Bruins, I've had bad luck at some of these. I mean, I've been at some bad games this year, too. So maybe I'm just unlucky. Maybe just bad luck, Evan. Maybe just terrible luck. I don't want to say it. I don't want to say it. But, you know, it might be something worth exploring. We'll find out. Yeah. Maybe I'll go to a new city and, uh, you know, poison those teams maybe that'll I'll be like a boston sleeper no. agent maybe I'll, no. be that. maybe I'll be that anyways anyways uh yes you hit the nail on the head uh crazy uh, bruins offseason coming up and the talk of last week we talked about this a little bit on poke the bear uh was those uh fiery not a, maybe not fiery but uh uh surprising in a sense uh, po- uh post season press conferences from Don Sweeney and uh, Cam Neely. And uh, there was a person who summed it up best with the, uh, with Cassidy and Neely and Sweeney. And it is you, my friend, you wrote a great column, not just blowing smoke. You wrote a great column over at Boston sports journal. Um, I will take that money in Venmo, by the way, for that plug there. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> anyways, you wrote a great column on uh, why there's some blame for Cassidy but it shouldn't be all the blame. And it feels like last week's tone was it's Bruce Cassidy's fault. We got to fix the coaching staff. There was really no reflection, which is odd considering all of the things management has bungled in the past bunch of years that it was the, the tone was it's Bruce Cassidy's fault. And you hit it on the head again with there's some fault for him, but there's a lot more on management and they got to look in the mirror a bit. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, again, I don't think you can walk away from the end of the season and not find faults with multiple things, right? The coaching staff, whether or not it was, uh, you know, waiting too long with some of these adjustments or giving some guys a shorter leash or, or what have you, which again, I think we talked about this last week. Uh, Bruce Cassidy not giving a guy like Jack Sneka uh, extended stretch. I don't know. Maybe Jack Sneka is not really that good. So we'll, I'm sure we'll deal with that a little bit later on. We look at maybe prospects, but um, between that though, the players themselves where uh, guys not, you know, living up to their end of the bargain in terms of playing out there on the ice. I mean, look at a guy like Craig Smith, who was given an out to be like, Hey, I was banged up, which I think would probably make Bruins fans feel a lot better about how he was playing. If he was like, yeah, I've got, shoulder and I got something else nagging what have you and like all right I tore I tore made, both ACLs <laughs> yeah it made sense like to just be like, oh, you know it was, you know as expected in a series where you have zero points not gonna not gonna cut it right so between coaches players and then management you would think it'd be a little bit more I don't know self-awareness or like you know are they thinking that Bruins fans and media are just obtuse or not gonna like pick up on the fact that in terms of doling out blame that it's going to fall on like just Bruce Cassidy and the way they played. Maybe look at the personnel that you guys assembled, right? Like it's one thing to want to play more inside, but if you're not having the right pieces in place, I mean, Bruins went into this last off season with over $25 million in cap space. And how much of that impact you, how much of that bottom six with a guy like Nick Foligno, who again, great guy, love to have him in the room, but you're paying close to $4 million for a guy with two goals the entire season. Look at Thomas Nosek, a guy who uh, had zero goals after January 2nd, right? And again, Which is we can, wild. And you go down the list of whether it's other guys that they failed to sign. The fact that, again, they did, you know, Kim Newley said that, you know, what probably helped uh, Sweeney keep his job is that they were playing well down the second half of the season and they had the Lindholm trade. Great trade. You know, I think Kim and McAvoy together is going to be a very good pairing for the next 
hopefully five plus years, right? Like it's yeah. helps you out quite a bit, but you also cleared cap space for forward. You didn't get that. And as you, you know, people, it's a, a thing that a lot of Bruins fans end up doing is if anyone scores against him in the playoffs, you're like, oh, they should have got that guy. I should have <laughs> got that. And so like Max Domi, Again, good example. I don't think he was the I don't think he was the missing piece, right? I mean, the guy was really not that good for Carolina. Then happens to play very well in Game Seven, right? Crazy but, how that works. Yeah. That being <laughs> said, though, like just the need to acquire any sort of NHL talented, you know, tier of player to round out that top three lines for you would have helped immensely. If it's especially whether it's you know replacing a guy like Trent Frederick on that third line, or maybe a guy that earns more looks up in the top six, like. The fact that most of the frustration seems to be coming from, you know, directed towards the coaching staff and whether that's underachievement or the system not working out in their favor. It's like, well, all right, well, did you want to play faster? Because, like, isn't Felino the guy that fits in there, right? Or do you want to play more aggressively? Because is that what the team you've assembled is, that they were going to, like, be knocking heads around? That would really help with Carolina, right, who will be skating laps around you trying to, like, drop guys along the boards. Like, it's just... I don't know. Like I was, I think it's more befuddlement and being like, really in terms of like coming out of that presser of not just being, if they were like, we've, you know, we've come up short, we're very disappointed, which was the common theme and we need to make changes. Cause again, it's a uh, multiple gears in place for what sets the team on the right path and what can derail it. Uh, if you can't acknowledge that management has a pretty significant role in that in terms of not just this year, but the fact that they've yet to get themselves over the hump during these prime years of contention. I don't know what to tell you, Evan. Like I, it's the fact that you can't look in the mirror and notice that you have some hard truths to deal with. And a lot of it was of your doing. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I think it says a lot that we can't sit here and name prospects aside from like Fabian Lysel, who could jump into the top six next year, whether it be down the middle or on the wing. Like, as you said, Stadika, are we confident that he can jump, you know, elevate himself into the top six? They've been saying that for, what, three years now? That's never happened. So, again, that is not really an edict on the coaching. That's more an edict on management. you got to get the right guys. Um, and, yes, Cassidy's got to give them room to breathe. I totally understand that. I agree with that. I think he needs to be better with that. But is the talent all that terrific? You know, again, guys like Trent Frederick and some others. Funny, you also mentioned in there um, that part of what helped – Don keep his job was, you know, play the Bruins playing well in the final three months, or whatever it was. Maybe Bruins fans would have hoped for uh, some <laughs> worse three months there. Uh, maybe he doesn't get his job back, but there's a lot of things with that. They kind of need like a John Taffer to come in, you know, for bar rescue and just kind of, you know, get, get everybody in order, you know, take over the team for five days, remodel it. You know, they end with like Patrice Bergeron on a team friendly contract. They end with like, you know, Claude Giroux with two C they end with tons of cap space, you know, Sweeney, they fire Sweeney or something like that. Maybe it's cap, re- that. It's cap rescue. It's cap just rescue. sending in. Yes. Shut cap. it down. Shut, shut it. Shut it the hell down. This place is disgusting. <laughs> I've been on a bar rescue binge lately. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because it's the off season, but that I am Great so television. Fully in, it's terrific television. Uh, they actually did two bars in Framingham. Uh, oh God. Around here. Margaritas. <laughs> Margaritas. No, Margaritas. They should, they should have done that. Uh, they did not do Margs. Margs was not part of the uh, bar rescue hurricane that came through here uh, in the, one of them actually was done around the Bruins 2011 uh, like playoffs. Well, that was like a storyline because the bar, uh, I'm not going to name it because actually it's gone now, but that bar wanted to open for that game to get customers in. 
but the, the place was disgusting. And like, John was like, you cannot, oh, you cannot serve people out of this bar. And it was like a brew. I think it was the Canadian series, but anyways, safe bet that John Taffer would do incredible things to the Boston Bruins. And we're talking really safe bets. We're talking about our good friends over at bet online. Our partners continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info, find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, major league baseball scores, fights, and even the next season's NFL scores and futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting, and of course, your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's really easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up today and use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, promo code CLNS50, BetOnline, where the game starts where the game starts so you mentioned it a bit right before we went on a little taffer tirade uh but cap rescue is kind of what the bruins sort of need this offseason and it's funny we always mention who should they get who do they need you know we mentioned free agents uh you know vinnie trocheck or claude Giroux or even philip forsberg and those are terrific terrific options but there is one thing that's standing in the way of getting those guys and getting uh certain players in here and that is the cap Salary cap. The Bruins are not in a terrific uh, cap situation, even when free agency hits. They do not have a ton because, again, if you want to resign Bergeron and sort of all these things factor into it. Uh, and that's why a guy like Curtis Lazar does not really seem like he's a fit here, given that he probably could go make a lot more and have a bigger role somewhere unless they want to make him like a third line player. Then I would imagine you know, he might stay. He'll go the Nolachari route and you know go to a team, score like 20 goals in a season and boom, it's done like that. Um, but so it means you gotta get creative. You gotta get creative with this roster. And I think right now there are six contracts on the books, not saying they all need to go, but I'm saying these are candidates that if you'd like to free up space or you'd like to make a trade or in one case, a buyout, uh, you can find ways to either get better or open up cap space to then get better in free agency or a subsequent trade. So I think we both agree that Nick Felino probably needs to get bought out again. Great guy, great guy, but probably needs to get bought out. I, the number I did not write down, I think the cap hit would be 1.9 million yeah, it's, next yeah, season. Right. And it would yeah. be 900,000 the season after. So again, you're saving about against the cap, about half of his deal. That's worth it. Yeah. Again, like that is worth it. And it's a tough truth because again, awesome guy leader in the room, just not a fit on the ice, especially with like where they're going and what's, and there's almost a part of me that thinks with Cam Neely saying we need to get between the dots more that they're going to be like, he's going to be, he's needed here. We need a guy that has a hard nose for the net. And that would just be like, you're not going anywhere. Like that is a tough, tough reality. They've not said that by the way, but I would not be surprised if they came out and said it, especially with Neely's comments on, um, on power forwards. Speaking of power forwards, by the way, how about Milan Lucic uh, and Mike Smith? Turning back the clock. Somewhere, <laughs> somewhere Ryan Miller was just breaking out into a cold sweat. He's like, he's sitting on his couch, just getting the, the, the flashback. Yeah, wasn't even watching the game. Just had all of a sudden, like, yeah, it was Ooh. a flashback to his Buffalo days. Yeah. The ringing in the Vintage ears. Lucic. Vintage Lucic. Uh, so some other ones. You're going to have to, again, we've mentioned the left side on D, Mike Riley or Matt Grizzlick. Feels like it would probably be Riley. Grizzlick's value is higher. Contract's a teeny bit higher, but I do think uh, with the shoulder surgery and everything, yeah. that might kind of put him off the trade market, put Mike Riley on it more. Um, but then there's three other contracts that I think are impactful players who you could 
get something for in a trade potentially, or, you know, find a way to dump salary. And obviously there's Jake DeBrus, right? At $4 million. This is a guy we've talked about literally for months, but then there's two others. And, uh, you know, so Kevin Paul DuPont on Twitter tweeted on Twitter tweeted. That's a hell of a way to put it. Um, he tweeted on, I believe, the 21st, so like two days ago, if the Bruins have a shot at hunting for a number one or two center for impact today, I think it takes a DeBrus-Carlo package. Now, whether or not that does it, right, I'd have to think, if, let's say it's Mark Shifley, right? Let's say it's Shifley. Let's take all like stuff out. It's Mark Shifley. If it was DeBrus-Carlo and a pick or a prospect for Shifley, mm-hmm. I have a tough time saying no to that oh yeah i mean for a top six center absolutely whether it's him or dubois or anyone else yeah if that's what the return is because again debrusque is one where at this point i think you're more or less accepting that he still wants to get moved i think the only way he would stick with it is if bergeron's back and they try to run it back a year and you know it's like all right if you want to be uh you know a good soldier once again you're going to get your 25 potentially 30 goals if we guarantee you top six minutes so i could see that happening but Bergeron's not part of the equation, or even if he is, but DeBrusque is still adamant. I think at this point, Bruins fans are accepting that, you know, DeBrusque in this short-term, you know, bargain that he had with the Bruins lived up to what his end of the deal was, uh, you know, elevated his value. And now it's either you're getting draft capital for him. Like, could you get a low first round pick two seconds for him? If you're doing like a kind of a hot reset works out there, but if he's part of a bigger uh, deal to get an impact player, that's absolutely, I think, worth it. You know, and I think if it's DeBrusque and a, a pick, uh, that's, I think, a pretty good foundation for if you really want to acquire a guy like a Shifley or a Dubois. I think especially Dubois, I think, is a guy that makes a ton of sense in terms of his age and how he plays. I think it's quite a great way to uh, – he's not a Bergeron, that's for sure, right? And, and anyone is. Connor Ryan says Patrice Bergeron is replaceable. <laughs> yes, no. Did not say that. Don't, don't cut this. Uh, but – in terms of starting that new chapter, if you're kind of building on this next base of talent and a guy like Dubois who's 23 uh, has potential to be a 60, 70 point guy and plays, you know, a very physical game guy that I think Bruins fans would love if he's here, if he's here long-term as a top six fixture for your team. Um, so yeah, DeBruskin a first or DeBruskin. I don't know. Like I think Bruins fans are now hesitant now that I think they're cognizant of this. What about Carlo? Well, that's the thing is like, I, I think maybe DeBrusque and a, a, a top prospect, but I don't know what Carlo is going to get you more or less, because again, I think Carlo has strengths to his game. I think you see it on the PK, what have you, but that contract, if you're dealing like a top six guy is Carlo with his, not just his injury history that you have to be very you know afraid of. I think if you're another team, but just his overall returns, you know, it's not like he's a, a guy like Grizzly where, you know, if you traded Grizzly and another team wanted to know what Grizzly is all about and they look at his underlying numbers and like, oh, shit, this guy's great. Like, look at how good this guy is. Diamond in the rough kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Like, you look at Carlo's kind of overall style of play and just kind of the level he played at last year especially. Um, I don't know if that's a guy that another team really wants to acquire at that cost. If Carlo was signed for two, three years at, three, three and a half million, then you're like, all right, like he's going to, at the very least should be health permitting a fixture on our right side, whether it's fourth, uh, second pairing, a third pairing uh, could help out quite a bit, but I don't know that contract, I think makes it a little bit tougher to make him, you know, a viable trade piece, unless it's a team that's really infatuated with what he brings, which I don't know if you're another team, wouldn't you rather get like 
I don't know, a Fulbert or like a, I don't know, like any, like the one of the many guys, like, like a Hakampa last year, like a big, big bodied right shot guy that you don't have to necessarily deal for in order to get and don't have the risk of that contract that comes with them. And it's not even that guys like Brandon Carlo grow on trees. It's more that they are easy to find at cheaper costs. Yeah. And I think that's again, 4.1 million, I believe through 2027 with yeah. Brandon Carlo, which like, Oh, like that was, that was last off season. Um, and yep. that again at the time was like, oh, it's not terrible. You know, it's not the greatest, but you know, you expected him to kind of elevate his game, especially this year. And that didn't happen at all. Right. Like that's sort of the issue. But again, their teams never cease to uh, amaze us with how dumb they can be with contracts. And um, uh, I don't want to say reckless, but just kind of dopey with contracts. And you see the Canucks are a good example of that. And the Canucks have JT Miller. And maybe that's an, an option where they say, hey, we want another big shutdown defenseman with uh, not a great contract. I'm not going to put Carlo on the level of like, oh, yeah, it's not even like remotely close. Because, yeah. um, again, I think there's still faith that Carlo could potentially turn it around, especially given his game. It's not like you're expecting 50 points. You're just expecting, you know, can you play strong defense? Can you break the puck out a few times a game? Like, can you just be steady and not, you know, miss your guys in front of the net and, uh, you know, grab the wrong guy in the, in the D zone or anything like that. Um, so that's another option. The Canucks, again, that's Western Canada. That's maybe DeBrusque territory. Whereas, you know, I know his family's from Edmonton, but it's close enough. It's closer than Boston. Um, so maybe that's an option. So again, like, but you know, if you did find a way to unload DeBrusque and Carlo and you got something back, that's 8.1 million off the books. Like that is a way to free up that cap, which again, big deal because you can either sign someone, you could maybe uh, trade for someone in return, um, another option, and this one I don't see as clearly uh, as to why you would trade him. Fluto Shinzawa wrote about this in like a mailbag for The Athletic, where um, he brought up the idea of trading Craig Smith. Again, Craig Smith comes with a $3.1 million cap hit for the next two seasons. I look at Craig Smith, and I, we've both liked him in his time here. Even, you know, he's always kind of had that potential, and he's shown it a fair amount. Uh, not as much this year, definitely streaky at times, but he's a guy who would free up money, but I don't know what you're getting back for him. And I also think you need reliable depth scores. And that's a guy who, even though he was invisible against Carolina, if I had to like put a bet on it, if they were to do another playoff series and he was fully healthy, I'd have a tough time believing he would have, you know, zero points again. I think he's a guy who kind of can provide that scoring. Yeah, I think it's all going to come down to, to that situation based on what, you know, how ambitious maybe is the word of how the Bruins are going to tackle this offseason. If they're really trying to clear house and, you know, start a youth movement and, and you think that, all right, at this point, we're not going to be, you know, Bergeron's not back. We're not going to vie for a cup. We're going to try to acquire uh, Dubois, what have you, and build it on this next group of players. And whether that means, giving guy like Lysel more, more reps or that bottom six, having it instead of being Craig Smith, who, as you said, signed to a pretty good contract for a guy that at the very least he can be streaky, but at the end of the year, you're expecting 15 goals, 35 points, 40 points. Like in terms of what his value is, that's kind of what he's been for a decade now. So it's very money well spent there, at least when compared to let's say like a Felino or what have you. But if you're the Bruins and you're really starting to, you know, turn this roster over, then I could be see it being a situation where, okay, at the very least, we're going to give guys like Steen or McLaughlin or Beecher or any of these other guys in the bottom six, more of an extended look there. And if they work out, 
it's great. You saved a lot of money. You got a younger player under contract for a while. If they don't work out, give them a full year to, to give them a look and see if it worked out. And you know for sure now that you can look to that next wave of players like uh, uh, Harrison down the road or, or what have you. So I think that's going to depend. I think a guy like Smith or even like Paula, for example, like if they want to move these guys that are on, uh, you know, near the end of their deals, I think Smith is up at the end of next year. I think he signed a three year yes. deal. So guy like him, a guy like Paula who has one year left, any of those guys that if you're really trying to uproot a lot of the, this roster around or away from that next generation of core talent, like the McAvoy's Lindholm's uh, Pasternak, obviously, then I think you could see them maybe moving a guy like Smith and just accommodating maybe more of a younger player to see what you got there. Yeah. I mean, again, it comes down to like, you look, you mentioned last, last off season earlier in this episode, and you mentioned how they had 25 million in space and spent it on basically depth pieces that those depth areas that they put guys in should really ideally be filled by guys in your system, right? Like they, that's what, you know, Tampa has been, that's what Tampa's done, except for when, you know, they went out and got Coleman and Goudreau at that point. Uh, but then they let those guys go when it came for payday, right? Those are just deadline acquisitions. But when it comes to like a full season, you should be developing your own guys and putting them on those third and fourth lines, not paying out the nose for people in the bottom six. Now, again, last year, it was the same thing. They needed depth scoring and they thought, well, maybe we can go out and get depth scoring through the free agent market. Well, it didn't work again. So again, you, you got to utilize guys like Steen, McLaughlin, um, you know, if you want to use Frederick again. Uh, so y- they have to use more in-house and maybe Smith gets you some draft picks or a draft pick. That's solid. Obviously not getting you like a first, but maybe a second or a third. That's not too bad. You don't have your second next year. So uh, there's a few, again, there's ways you can free up cap space. None of it's easy though. Again, I mean, you, you think about it and the reality is Brandon Carlo is like a part of the top four. Like that's a guy who you'd like to see play well. Um, and so giving him up is not easy, but I do think if the opportunities present themselves, you know, Dubois, JT Miller, even, you know, Mark Shifley, um, there are probably other guys out there that we're not even thinking of that could be uh, good trade candidates. You got to make those decisions. You got to do that. Even if Bergeron doesn't return. Oh, excuse me. If Bergeron does. Now, if Bergeron does return, do you think it would still be worth giving up DeBrusque in a package for a top six center? Because now you have a one-two. I mean, yeah, I think it's going to depend on how much faith they have and how much I think maybe the buy-in is from even a guy like Bergeron as to like, all right, we're going to move the third highest uh, goal scorer on the team next year. Again, we'll give you, you get Dubois out of it, which helps out quite a bit, but that also is in reliant on, do we, are you comfortable Patrice of having a guy like Lysel, you know, in that spot, if that works out, that'd be a great scenario. If like that happens, the Bruins move to Brusque, who wants to get traded, save the money, get a top six guy and Lysel as a rookie, you set the expectations accordingly, but he gives you 15 goals and looks like a guy the next couple of years can be a consistent 25, 30 goal score. You're all set. You're good to go. Like you've got, you're still contending this year. And when Bergeron at that point probably retires the next year, you, you at least have a center pipeline in place where you can kind of build it off going forward with already the pieces you have in place. Uh, so I could very well see if Bergeron's back them doing that. Cause I think they're, cognizant of the fact that you need to switch some things around and uh, you have to clear up cap some way, like whether it's getting Bergeron back in the fold or addressing other areas of the roster, uh, there's avenues to do it. It's just going to, I think, rely a lot of uh, faith in your farm system as to whether or not these guys are ready to take that next step because 
we've seen plenty of times before this Bruins seemed going to seasons with question marks in key, key areas of the roster. It doesn't work out. So then to hand it to a, let's say, Gallic Lysel, who's 19, uh, you better hope you found a, a good talent there. Because if not, you're going to be in the same spot and just a different area of the lineup that needs to be addressed next season. And I will say, though, I mean, again, I don't know the full NHL readiness of Fabian Lysel, but I will say that the track record of working with Martian and Bergeron, pretty good. Like it, that typically works out. So if there is a situation for him to work in, it probably uh, is that one. But that is today's episode. That is a, is that episode one of the off season? No, we dust Bruins beat last week was like, I mean, yeah. it was kind of post-mortem. So this is really, this is the start of the off season. We're, we're set into a groove here. A groove yes. of talking a lot about Max Shifley and Dubois and Bergeron and, and all that good stuff. It's not going away anytime soon, unless Bergeron like announces something in the next day or so. Which so we'll see. We'll see. Which probably not, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, anyways, Connor, what can the people look forward to from you over at Boston Sports Journal? Yeah, uh, again, every day in this off season, we're going to have continued content on coverage of about everything related to the Bruins, whether it's uh, trade scenarios, again, ways to uh, make cap room, uh, next steps for this franchise as it goes into one of many different paths uh, going forward, going into 2022-2023. So all that stuff will be over at bostonsportschannel.com. So subscribe at BSJ for all your daily off-season content for the Bruins. If you want to follow me on Twitter, do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that. For CLNS Media, I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Bruins Beat listeners have a great rest of your week. <laughs>